Hello, you're listening to the Omnitalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, SPS Commerce, and Sezzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the Omnitalk Fast Five is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but more importantly, a little happier each week, right, too. Yeah. Today is June 1st, 2023. I'm your host, Dan Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are coming together to shape the future. Chris. Yeah. Yes, we are, Anne. Yes, Anne. Yes. This is a bittersweet moment. It's a bittersweet moment. Why? Because, Anne, this is our last time recording in our podcast studio. In our OG studio. Yes. We are we are eating what we cook, practicing what we're preaching. We are going fully remote, Anne. We are, we're going to start doing this from our, the ro- remote locations of our house. Yes. I have built out what the people in the industry, Anne, call a studio a in my house, studio? or as I like to call it, my attic. Does it does it actually function is the question. It may look this is like when we started Store of the Future, right? So like we're at Target, we're creating Store of the Future. The the creative team that I was a part of built like a beautiful space yeah, right. out of out of foam core Something of like so beautiful. what yes. the actual studio yes. or what the actual like experience of a Target store should look like. Yeah. And then Chris came in and was like, uh yeah, you need this thing to actually sell stuff. Yeah. We're gonna it's have never to, gonna work that way at operations. So now yes. it's like a reversal of roles, Chris. I know. Now I feel like you have a I studio know. in air quotes set up in your attic, and I'm gonna have to come over and actually make sure that you can actually. Yeah, you know what? I, you know what I think we need it. more of, Ann? Egg crates. I think I need some egg crates. You know, to put them on my I'm, walls. I'm terrified like, that I'm gonna come to your <laughs> attic, and there's just gonna be like mattresses all over the walls, and Chris is like borderline like insane asylum room instead of like an actual <laughs> podcast studio. That would be so scary in more ways than one, Ann. Uh, very oh terrifying. God. I know. I'm actually worried about that. That's the thing that people don't realize. Egg crates. That's, oh that's such a great race. Oh man. But yes, this is our last. This is our last podcast in studio. Want to give a shout out to you. We had a we had a loyal listener last week take you up on your offer. She connected with us on yes. LinkedIn. She said, "Hey, what's up? I love the show." And that was Jenny Lewis. So shout out to Jenny for doing that. At first, I thought it was Jenny Lewis of Rilo Kylie and and Troop Beverly Hills, which you should know. Uh, the lead, I, the I, lead I know that. Character, movie, but I have not seen yeah, it. Yeah, the not, lead troop girl. The lead troop girl? Yeah, Shelley Long's daughter in oh. Troop Beverly Hills is also named Jenny Lewis in real life. Really? Who also has a band called Rilo Kylie, who wow. is one of my... One of my, wow. I mean, well, she, I have sorrow recently. She wasn't as good as she used to be. But anyway, I, I digress. Obscure um, reference, Jenny, but totally Lewis, warranted for this show. The real Jenny Lewis, who uh, connected with us on LinkedIn, we're so glad that we're connected now. And please, all of you, do yeah. the same. Like, Drop connect, us a note. Connect with us on LinkedIn if you listen to the show so that we know and send us feedback and let us know how we're doing either there or on Apple Podcasts yeah. or wherever you get this podcast. Yeah. Drop, drop us a review. Yeah. Say hello. Say hola. Say whatever it is you want to say. Whatever. Yeah. Bienvenido. Say bom dia. Whatever. You suck, Walton. You know, yeah. whatever you want to say. It's fine. It's all good. All right, Ann, let's do the show. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on Instagram creating a new API to facilitate search advertising. Ulta putting its fragrances behind locked cabinets. Yes. The summer of Dash Pass. 
a Stanford grad that wants to reimagine the pawn shop. But we begin today with big news out of Kroger. And oh, heck yeah, Chris, that's right. Headline number one: Kroger is bringing cooler screens to five hundred stores wow. nationwide. According to Grocery Dive, uh, the move comes after a three-year pilot. Loyal Omnitalk fans will know cooler screens well, but for those new to the program, the company uses digital displays atop cooler doors to showcase advertisements and product information. And for Kroger and the CPGs, it also gives them a new medium for in-store retail media. The hot, the hot girl yeah, right. of the summer. Right, the hot, that's a great, great analogy. I um, love that. Chris, what do you, what do you think of this expansion of cooler screens over at Kroger? Yeah. So to recap, what it is, you know, for those that maybe haven't seen it, you know, it's it's all over the internet, so you can find a picture. Just Google 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 cooler screens. That's hard to say. Google cooler screens. And you'll find it. But basically, it's a digital display that looks like a planogram, you know, for yeah. lack of a better way. You've got all the products arranged, you know, on the screen. Uh, and then they can put advertising towards it, too, because it's all digitally displayed. Um, so to answer your question, Anne, I mean, net-net, I think fundamentally I like this. Mm-hmm. Solely for what, and I say that because of solely what it does in the digital signage arena. Yes. You know, I equate it to more digital signage right now than digital media because I was talking to my buddy Chad Lusk, who you know well from A&M. Oh, yeah. The Lusker. Yeah, <laughs> the Lusker. And my new my new litmus test for a lot of these things is like there's all this talk of like first party data and like all this value people are going to glean from it. And I'm starting to say like, OK, well, let's put all that aside. Mm-hmm. Is there value in this innovation if that's not even here? Yep. And I think that's what you have here because the cooler screen, the cooler door, for example, is one surface that will, I think, feed the flywheel of in-store advertising mm-hmm. within a retail media network, yep. just as it's traditionally been done in a lot of ways. So for by that, I mean like products can be purchased with the ad spend then correlate, products can be purchased and advertised for mm-hmm. with that spend being correlated with just the point of sale data, mm-hmm. which essentially almost creates like a constraintless budget and the on the potential spend the CPGs could put towards this, just like a regular digital signage play out of home, mm-hmm. you know. And but regardless of any souped-up data play, which may exist too, so so I like it for that reason. My one question though is, and the article doesn't give much information on this, is how many freezer and cooler doors is this across mm-hmm. the 500 stores? Is it one? Is it the whole the whole refrigeration unit? Right. Is it the whole is it freezer just at unit? The end caps? Is it right. you know at checkout? Where, right. Yeah. Where right. We have no idea. So you know, and where does the tech go from here? Um, because I'm still having trouble. If I take this use case particularly, and like I just try to like put it on other parts of the store, I'm having trouble finding out where that where that is in the store. Totally. Um, but with that said, it's still mile one of the, you know, retail in-store media network marathon in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, net, net, I think I like this move, but what do you think? I, I agree with you. you I do. Think, I mean, okay. in some ways, but I, I think for me, I thought you'd be more skeptical. Well, bit. I am a little bit. Okay. okay. So I think that it, I don't think that this technology can be just for the retail media capabilities, the mm-hmm. in-store media capabilities alone. It, it kind of brought to mind what we were talking about a few weeks ago with the um, electronic shelf label investment mm-hmm. that Walmart was making. Yep. Because we, what we talked about in that podcast was like, I think electronic shelf labels are finally proving their value. It's, it's a big investment, and now they can do so much in store mm-hmm. that it makes sense to invest the CapEx mm-hmm. in installing ESLs at the scale that Walmart is. 
I think this is telling that Kroger is doing 500 stores, that this is providing them more information. But I still think to get the adoption that that cooler screens would like to see, and even I think to see the success and the metrics that hmm. Kroger will need in order to make this successful, it's got to do more than just be in-store media. It's got to start to to correlate, like you were talking about, correlate the POS data to get down to more specifics than just dwell time in front of screen and mm -hmm. POS da sales data. Yeah. I think it's got to get down to like, how do I really start to invest and be able to pay off like that customer bought this thing so that they can start to personalize that experience even further with the media in store. And I, I think that just doing this in 500 stores without knowing where they're doing it and to the extent that they're doing it doesn't tell me that that's that problem's been solved yet. That's a really interesting point, Anne. You're bringing up a great point, which is something that I've I've never thought about until you just talked about this too, which I want to make sure it gets brought out too, is like the other angle to what you're saying is part of, I love the analogy with the electronic shelf label because the, the other value the electronic shelf label is having is it's showing people in real time like what needs to be restocked. Yep. So like the digital cooler screen could do the same thing and it's even more applicable in that area because the one places that the one place people do not want to restock is the freezer and the cooler. Yes, it sucks. It sucks. It's terrible. So having to gloves. zone that and make sure it's all right is awful. Mm -hmm. So if you could use it for that to alert or create exceptions for your restocking efficiency, yeah, there could be some ground there, which is an interesting point to, to raise. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to headline number two. All right. Instagram now lets companies pay for ads directly in their search results. Can you see what the retail industry is focused on? And Jesus Christ, <laughs> according to a company press release, Instagram now allows for ads in Instagram search results via its, via its new Instagram marketing API. The feature will up. The feature update will enable three capabilities via the new API. I always love this when I get to read all the capabilities. <laughs> the first is ad creation, <laughs> i.e. developers will be able to use, quote, Instagram search as one of the placement options when creating ads and also add insights, meaning when breaking down insights by placement level, it will be possible to see how ads perform via Instagram search results placements. And finally, add preview. Developers will be able to see a preview of all their search ads and... Suffice it to say, it's been a very tough year for Instagram in yeah. many ways. Are you like some of our loyal followers on social media who immediately poo-pooed this? Or is there something to like about it? Um, I, I, I'm not going to poo-poo this. You're not going to poo-poo it. I think it's a good move. I also feel bad for you because this uh, press release very clearly <laughs> came directly from Meta and was yes. for developers to read about yes. exactly what their new like lines of code would be coming in or their, their set call and response from the API would be set up. Not fit for podcast meta. Not, you, not good. It gives you an exact understanding of why commerce continues to prove difficult for, for yes. Instagram when you think about that, Anne. That's yes. a great point. Yes. No, um, I, <laughs> you know, simply put here, I think that what this is telling, what this move from Instagram is telling us is that, you know, people are using Instagram and TikTok as their Google now. Mm -hmm. I mean, this next generation, myself included, um, that's what we're going to. If we want to find a restaurant, I'm not going to Google to find restaurants, you know, near me. It, you get the results are skewed. You get you get served up a bunch of ads. And on Instagram, prior to this, um, it, it was you're able to see content directly. Right. Like you're able to see, 
okay, here's where I am. These are the restaurants around me. I can see videos and photos of people who are eating in these places and help make my decision that way. So I think that it makes a ton of sense that Meta is trying to push to start making some ad revenue off of these behaviors that are already happening. But the second thing I want to point out is that I think it's really important here for brands to be thinking about this in terms of their investment in video content, because it's Mm. not just about like search terms anymore. This is about what content is going to be served up when I search restaurants around me or if I search like, you know, I want a handbag or whatever. Like this is not going to be just good keyword data. Now it's going to have to be an investment in like what creators locally are you investing in? How are you investing in video content that, you know, both lives on your own site that you can, you know, how are you breaking up the content that you're investing money in so that it can be served up for search results? It can be in my TikTok feed, like all these things. Like, I think this is really going to push brands and retailers have to start thinking about that and their investment in those technologies because that's what I'm looking for yeah. when I'm searching. And if your ad doesn't serve me up content that's going to entice me visually, I'm going to pass. I'm yeah, going to scroll on. You are. Yeah, because you do this. Oh, you, yeah. You are, I will get, I'll tell the audience an example. We were in Lisboa recently. <laughs> yes. And, and whenever we travel, just so you know, this is a standard thing that we do every time we travel we're looking for a restaurant and his head's down in the mobile phone i do not speak to anyone on the street does not talk to anyone uh, does not even answer questions from no, anyone no but she's heads down and i'm like finally i got her to talk to him I'm like what are you doing she's like i'm instagram searching where to go for dinner tonight yes. and i was like okay that's cool so so i agree with you I, I i actually like it a lot um if anything because i think it's smart and it capitalizes on activity that like we just said, you and others are doing, and that a Google exec, if we remember correctly, not long ago said was eating into their business. Yes. You know, the, the announcement they wish they could take back. Yep. The The hardest part of it, though, for me, is what we kind of joked about in the beginning, is I still read it, and it makes me really sad. This announcement makes me really yeah. sad. Still, It makes me sad thinking about what could have been for Instagram and commerce if it didn't piss down its, piss, piss down its leg the biggest capital misallocation yeah. In the history of retail, which was the metaverse, like yeah. it's just, it's just such a bad thing. But I don't know. I think the move is shrewd, and who knows? Maybe it even gets them jump started on commerce down the line. But you're right. Reading that press release, yeah, it's gonna take some uh, more creative outlets, I think, or creative yeah. talent in that business to get that happening. Yeah. I think to get but the might. needle moved. It might. Yeah. You never know. Hopefully, they haven't all left. But yes. that's the big question. All right, let's go to headline number three, Chris. Ulta plans to put fragrances behind locked cabinet doors in as many as 70% of its stores. According to Retail Dive on its earnings call last week, Ulta executives called out theft as an increase as a quote, increasingly concerning challenge, end quote, with CEO Dave Kimball also telling analysts that incidents have become more dangerous as well. The retailer is said to be investing in a range of efforts to combat this issue, including increasing staffing, hiring security, and using in-store fixtures to prevent theft. Um, But in regards to fragrances, Chris, one of the biggest targets for organized crime, Chief Operating Officer Keisha Steelman said that it will go behind locked fragrance, or sorry, will go behind locked cabinets at 70% of stores by year end. Mm, Chris, this is also the A&M put you on the spot question. Um, A&M wants to know, they say fragrance is a rapidly growing category right now, especially post-COVID as consumers are starting to reinvest in small luxuries. While locking fragrances away is a great way to prevent theft on a high shrink category, 
How might this affect Ulta sales since this inherently adds considerable friction to the customer shopping experience? Mm, you know, I could smell this one a mile away, Anne. Oh, God. We, I thought you learned your lesson last week. <laughs> last week was out of control. I mean, I, li- I listened back to that podcast and I was like, it was even worse than I thought. And it I was got so many great comments on the do our, do our own stunts joke. It was great because podcasting is hard. It's very dangerous. All right. Uh, to answer that question directly. Which is why you need your could, padded studio. Which I could smell a mile away. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a hundred percent going to impact sales Yeah, because no one wants to shop, you know, something behind a cabinet. It takes somebody to unlock the cabinet, which mm-hmm. as a former store employee, I hated doing, yeah. like I would hate being in the middle of something and somebody would be like, hello, can you, some kid, it was always some kid, can you come unlock the video games for me? You know, like, and I'd be like, yes, sure. And then I take it out and then he wouldn't want it. I put it back and you know, whatever. But you know, it's just, it's, it's not good for business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my take is here, there has to be a better way. Yeah. And I know, I'm guessing our friends at Ulta, particularly like Prama Bhatt, the mm-hmm. chief digital officer who we interviewed at uh, Shop Talk, and she taught, she takes user experience very seriously. So my hunch is that she and the entire team are all over yeah. trying to figure out new ways to come up with better answers to this problem. But, you know, to me, the, at, at a, 30,000 foot level, the problem is getting so prevalent that I think two things have got to start happening. One, yeah. you've got to start cracking down on the resale sites mm-hmm. and developing new regulations for resellers in terms of how they can conduct business. And there's lots, I think there's lots of ground to still mine in that topic, particularly yeah. lots, lots of creative things that could be done. And second, and this is an interesting point to me too, Anne, if companies like Target are saying that this is a $500 million incremental problem per year, at what point does that profit loss start to make the case for computer vision investments and or just walk in, just walk out like gated experiences into stores that can only be accessed via mobile phone or maybe even a biometric scan mm-hmm. to prevent this from happening? Because, and I think about that too, especially in these areas where retailers are just up and leaving. Like I would think customers who like retailers would want them to stay and would gladly adopt those new experiences to be still able to be still be able to shop those stores in their mm-hmm. communities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the best thing about it, though, I think net-net is it still means there's going to be a flood of investment in AP-related technology, which is a hot space that honestly has never been hotter. Like, right. this is the hottest that space is ever going to be, and it's never been a sexy space before. So I'm excited to start talking about that and hearing from companies about what they're doing to reimagine retail experiences to that end where we don't have to put things behind cabinets. Yeah. They have to invest in technology to solve this problem because I don't think that you're going to see the regulatory changes, the you know any any other changes coming from this, and the customer experience is severely severely lacking when it comes to this. I you mentioned Target too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been talking about this with you and with others for the other listeners for the last couple of weeks, like. A billion dollars yeah. they're projected to lose this year. A billion a dollars. That's a yes. B. And nothing is being done to change this. Like nothing that we can visually see outside of a, uh, the go-to solution here that Alta's is using to just lock everything right. away. Like this does not solve any of your labor shortage issues. If you have to go, if an Alta employee needs to leave a right. register or do any of the things Great to point. now be stuck talking to a customer to unlock something for the the chance that they might want to purchase a $70 bottle of perfume when you're losing all of the people that are waiting in line who can't do that anymore. Like this cannot happen. It is a terrible customer experience. 
we have to be looking into other technology. You mentioned computer vision. That's great. Like gated entry and exit, another great idea. But it's also online things like looking into bad actors and fraudsters yeah, for the online orders, yeah, like 100%. investing in technology to confirm that like a package has been delivered when it says that it's been delivered and your visibility to where those packages are throughout the delivery, the last mile delivery process. Like there are so many places that are not being invested in right now to try to recoup some of that cost. I think that, you know, right now I was quick little anecdote. I was sitting in the backyard at a Memorial day barbecue at some friends <laughs> while we were sitting there at two 30 in the afternoon, yeah. two people came into the front yard where our kids were playing and stole and ravaged through our cars wow. at two 30 in the afternoon yeah. because the penalty in Minnesota for stealing under a thousand dollars is $3,000 in a fine, no right. jail time, no nothing. So I think that's going to, this is going to just keep happening. So retailers and brands, it is up to you to start doing something about this. Yeah. And probably us as citizens too, to take up the charge too, potentially, you know, here as well, depending on the laws and regulations in city by city as well. But all right. Headline number four. And in the spirit of George Costanza, yes. I'm declaring this the summer of Dash Pass. Oh my gosh. I think that needs a song. <laughs> we need to get Megan the Stallion on that. Megan the Stallion? Yeah. That's yeah. with two E's, right? The? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I'm surprised you know that. I'm hip to that jive, and According to Chain Stories, and you lost it. Starting Thursday, June 15th, the online delivery platform is kicking off its fourth annual Summer of Dash Pass promotion. Dash Pass is, of course, DoorDash's paid membership program that offers $0 delivery fees reduced service fees, and other members-only benefits. During the five-week Summer of Dash Pass campaign, participating partner retailers will include Taco Bell, Wendy's, Starbucks, Dick's Sporting Goods, Walgreens, and Aldi. And consumers will have several chances to win experiences and exclusive items such as music festival passes and a limited edition cooler. Sign Ooh. me up. The campaign will, this is my favorite part, and favorite part of this podcast. The campaign will also feature ads with actors Jason Biggs, and Sean William Scott. Sean having two ends on his first name. Cancel Christmas and American Pie is relevant again. This seems squarely aimed at your demographic. What are your thoughts? I love this. You do. I, I have, you ever since I got I the Dash would. Pass, I've been obsessed <laughs> with it, Chris. I have sent flowers to a friend for under $30 delivered, like same day, who was having a bad day. I sent <laughs> cold medicine to my mother-in-law's from Spain. You did. That's right. Yeah. To her doorstep because she was taking care of my kid who got sick. I've been doing returns pickups so that I don't have to go to the UPS like store and return my stuff. I absolutely love it. But here's the other problem that yeah. I think that there is. Even me as a Dash Pass holder, I still forget to use it. Yeah, There's still times right, where right. like it doesn't kick in. That same barbecue I was talking about, we needed ketchup. And instead of just door dashing ketchup to the party, I was like driving all around oh, looking man. for ketchup on Memorial Day, which is the dumbest thing because yeah, nobody hard, has hard it. Hard to find, right. But I, I think that the summer of Dash Pass is important. It's important for, for DoorDash to be doing a Prime Day type initiative so that they can get consumers to be thinking of it more top of mind because it is such a valuable one-stop shop. But even people like me still need to remember that that exists and that I should be going to that first. That's crazy because you're like the poster child. That's oh, wild. Yeah. Like, and this this barbecue sounds like a very seminal moment. In like it the, was a it was a defining <laughs> moment your, over the Memorial Day weekend. I have your to retail say. anecdotes. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy about 
highlighting this for, you know, for another reason, which is more self-serving, which is I remember being on record as saying the Dash Pass is the new Prime. Yes. And to your experience, it's sounding like that was oh, a, that was so a good great. claim. Like, it's so great. Which one would you take more right now? Which one is more important to your life, Prime or Dash Pass? I mean, Prime still still takes it for the variety. You, you still have a, a larger variety of benefits from that being Prime Video and the all of the the categories available on Amazon, but I think that Dash Pass is getting there. I mean, it certainly is becoming um, a more like value driven or yeah. emotionally attached thing. Like the the happiness that it's been able to bring me and to the people in my life far outweighs the benefits that I get from like Prime getting something delivered next day or like marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But Th- that's interesting though. So like you're saying, so basically what you're saying, I think is, and I think I would be the same way. If you took away Prime Video, mm-hmm. Dash Pass would win every time. If you only had X amount of money to spend a month, would Dash Pass win every time, or would you still go with Prime? Um, I don't care about two day delivery. I don't give a, sh- a yeah. Shite about I I mean, delivery. yes, I still think Prime's edged out. Oh really? Yeah. Wow, interesting. Fuck. But it's but like it's it's hard because there are different use cases for I, me. Like I would just not give them up. I would give up something else. You give up something else. I would give up like <laughs> my uh I would give up my Starbucks habit before yeah. I gave up both of those things. I think. Liar. All right. <laughs> uh all right, let's let's get this show over with, Chris. Let's go to headline number five. Chris, one of your fellow Stanford grads wants to reimagine the pawn shop. <laughs> yeah, all right. Go um, go Cardinal. Yes. According to TechCrunch, recent Stanford graduate. Uh, San, sorry, James Savadelli, after being, quote, offered a high interest loan as a college student and later logging time at a variety of pawn shops to better understand customer behavior, end quote, has resulted in Pesto, a Pesto. new modernized version of a pawn shop online. So here is how it works. Customers go to the Pesto pesto website oh my god I it's can't hard talk yeah today. it was hard to write this customers go to the pesto website and go through a quick appraisal by entering in the details about the asset they want to pawn and pesto gives them an estimate of what their credit line should be then the customer um, gets a qr code from pesto they can take that product to any ups store where the asset will be packed and shipped for them fully insured and sent directly to pesto once pesto receives the asset Pesto opens it up under video, which yeah, was interesting, Right, um, inspects the asset, and then gives the customer a final offer of credit. It goes right to a digital wallet if you yes, want it. Yes, it that does. Instantly. Um, the item is then stored in a temperature-controlled vault, and when the customer either graduates to an unsecured card or closes their account, Pesto sends them their item back. And, and they also send a physical credit card in the mail, They too, do. Yeah, you know? that comes a few days yeah, later. Yeah, it comes a few days later, yep. so you got to wait for that, but yes. Yes. Um, so, Chris, what are your thoughts about this this new reimagination of the pawn shop from your fellow Cardinal? Yeah, I mean, shout out to the Cardinal. You know, first time on the show, we've done a headline of a car- of Stanford grad. I'm kind of uh, impressed by that. that. I think so. I mean, where we've called, it, called smart, it out you, like there's this. a lot of you smarties that came yeah, out of that school, well, yeah. believe it or not. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're all de- they're all dubious though. Uh, this, I think, it's a really interesting idea though, um, and it shouldn't be sneezed at either. I mean, it's pawn shops. We don't talk about pawn shops a lot, but th- these guys secured 11 million dollars in Series A funding, which yeah. is a lot of money. Yes, um, it intrigues me for a few reasons, Anne. Yeah, one. I think it probably makes pawn shops more accessible, which is a hallmark of bringing any business online when Mm -hmm. you stop and think about it. Second piece, it gives the pawner an opportunity to build credit 
And the other part about this is they don't pay interest at all. It's zero percent mm-hmm. interest if they pay it back on time. Yes. So that's interesting. So you get accessibility, you get more affordability. And but I also the third point I make is I have to think old James and the VCs know something that we don't. Yes. And my hunch is that either it's a higher percentage of items go unclaimed than in a traditional pawn shop operation because they have to be making up the cost of shipping and the lower interest up front somewhere. Um, or they're seeing higher interest rates on the back end too. That, yeah. There's got to be something to this model that it's, you know, there's, they're trying to make money off it 100%. Yes. But, but who the heck knows? The other point I'd make, and really quickly, is I would love the TV show from this. I mean, let's look at what came in the warehouse today via video, and it could be on social media. You could live oh, sure, stream it. Let's sure. appraise it. I'd call it Pesto Stars. Actually, no. That, oh, my God. That sounds, t- that sounds like more of a show on the Food Network, doesn't it? Oh yeah, that's God. terrible. No, it's terrible. Pesto it's Stars. Terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, there's Do you like it or no? I don't like pesto stars, but <laughs> I think that you. I think what the point that you drive home was also very relevant to me when I was reading this interview with James. I think there's definitely some things that we don't know here because my assumption of the pawn shop shopper or you know participant is like, have you seen the James Mullaney stand up recently? Uh, I I have seen parts of it. Yes, okay. he looks like a mess. Actually, well, he's talking on that podcast or on that stand up about how he had such a bad drug problem that he bought a Rolex with a credit card and then immediately went to a pawn shop to get cash so he could buy drugs. Like that's what I imagine. Very incorrectly, clearly, that a pawn shop is being utilized for like quick cash. I want it right now. Not somebody that's willing to wait for a digital wallet to upload. Right. But clearly there is a market for this. And so I think that, you know, this like you said, there's there's got to be a viable business here to get that much funding. The other thing that I worry about, though, here, too, and that I think they'll have to be careful is like, is this going to turn into some like BNPL play where, you know, you are giving somebody a credit card and you're kind of taking advantage of somebody who by implementing technology that they're probably not. Yeah, you have to be really careful on the guardrails here for for sure. 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 That's like the second time John Mulaney's stand up act has come up in conversation oh, yeah? with me this week too. Yeah. It's it's pretty I mean it was it was decent. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you learned He's a funny guy. Yeah, you learned about pawn shops and and crack cocaine habits. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, I mean it's crazy. Who, who couldn't use that in their it, life? That bit is really funny. <laughs> Check it out. You have to if if you don't watch any other part of it, you hear just how how yeah. uh, Now though now all our loyal listeners will watch it and go, "Oh, now I know what Ann and Chris were talking exactly. about." Yeah, right. Exactly. All right, Chris, let's get out of here. Lightning round time. Uh, question number one, Six Flags is the latest company to pilot Amazon's Just Walk Out technology for their on-site grab-and-go stores. What is one ride, Chris, to this day that you refuse to go on, especially after you may have feedbagged some Doritos and Skittles that you picked up in the Just Walk Out store? The feedbagging isn't even a requirement, and this one's easy for me. It's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Mrs. OmniTalk made me go on that stupid-ass ride at Disneyland. Is it the spinny one? No, it's just like it's like this, this like rinky-dink roller coaster that goes through a house for like four-year-olds and she made me and my eight-year-old and ten-year-old go on it and it was like just so it was so awful but you know she loved it so we did it for her shout out to her all right the amazon prime video service in the uk Mm -hmm. took a shot at netflix this past week in a new ad campaign declaring quote Love is sharing a password. Oh, that's sweet. A practice which Netflix now discourages. And if you could share your Netflix password with one famous British celebrity for a month, like how I threw British in there, who would it be? Oh my gosh, this goal, this was so easy for me to answer. 
Lucian Laviscount. Now, people may not know oh who that God. name, but this is the guy who plays Alfie on Emily in Paris. Hot damn! Would I share a password with you, Alfie? Oh, Come on man. over. Let's Amazon Prime Video and chill. So he's even more than what's that guy's name? Rene Jean Page or something? What's that guy's yeah. name? Yeah. yeah. All right. Wow. Well, he's right. he's uh, French. Oh, he? is he? I no, I think he's English. I don't know. He just has a very French name. I have, I have no idea. Well, I don't know. I don't. Lucian, you, you never cease to surprise me. That's the thing. You Lucian, never cease to surprise me. Come on over. It's Lucian, huh? Not Lucian. Oh, maybe it's Lucian. I don't I, know. I have no idea. I'm just gonna call him Alfie, All so right. it's cool. Yeah, Alfie. Okay, cool. That's also a good movie, which I've never seen. Uh, McDonald's and Jake Play are tracking your location. This is my question <laughs> for you, actually. So. I'll oh yes, it. right. My bad. <laughs> uh, McDonald's and Chick Fil A are tracking your location to make sure your fries are perfectly crispy when you come to collect your mobile order, Chris. For those who still aren't Chick-fil-A ambassadors like you, what is one product that you believe will convert them, especially now that it will be perfectly crispy? Oh, that's super easy. And it's got to be the chicken sandwich. It's got to be the chicken. And we should do, and also we should do like on on Saturday Night Live where they like make the reads for the other person without them knowing what oh, they are. Like and, and see it like weekend update yeah. and do that and see what happens. But yeah, for me, it's the chicken sandwich. That chicken sandwich is the bomb. I Which one? Just, just a regular one. chicken sandwich? Yeah, with the little... Pickles and like you know, just so just plain. like it's called the chicken sandwich. Yes, the original chicken sandwich, I think, is what okay. it's called. Yeah, you've had it, right? Yeah, but it's not. It's Dude, not your, memorable your Chick Fil A game is so so. I have lacking. not had good Chick Fil A experiences. Oh man, it's always like soggy and gross. So maybe this will be better. Best, I will. Tr- I will give it another try. Best Omni Channel retailer. All right, a seventy-six-year-old. This is great. A seventy-six-year-old man was recently indicted for stealing a pair of red ruby slippers out of the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yes. He did this back in 2005. Yeah. Where is Grand Rapids? Uh, no, sorry, Minnesota. Grand yeah. Rapids, Minnesota. Where is that? Up north somewhere. Uh, up north. Uh, the slippers are valued at $3.5 million. And if you could have one piece of movie history memorabilia, what would it be? Oh, this was the easiest question you've ever asked me. Really? Sloane Peterson's white fringe jacket oh. from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. With, like when oh. she when she takes it off in the middle of the class and she flips it around and it swings and you can like hear the little swoosh of the leather fringe. Oh my god. The tassels. Yeah. It's just I love that fringe jacket. I had That's white fringe leather boots. That's as far as I got. I didn't get the jacket. It was too expensive. That's but. a good one. Right, let's get this gog show over with. Happy birthday today to Morgan Freeman. Tom Holland, and someone, and you ought to know, Alanis Morissette. Oh, I know her. You, everyone ought to know her. Yeah, yes. yes. I love Alanis Morissette. Um, I also want to give a special birthday shout-out, Chris, to avid Amitok fan and listener, John M., who turns the big 4-0 today. 4 Happy birthday, Johnny. Happy birthday, John. That's awesome, man. It's all downhill from here. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk, the only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news, and our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day. It also features special content exclusive to us, and we do it all just for you. We try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. Yes, we do. You can hold me accountable to it personally. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. So until next time, and on behalf of all of us at Omnitalk Retail, as always, be careful out there.
The Yummy Talk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And SPS Commerce. SPS Commerce is redefining how businesses across the supply chain operate in an omnichannel world. Their experts, tech, and data work together to fuel your growth and deliver for your customers. To find out more, head to spscommerce.com. And finally, Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com. 